And good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Happy Friday Eve, as we like to say here on the show. It is Thursday, May 19th, but Friday Eve to uh, all of us listening and to uh, Mr. Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. Good morning to our listeners. Matt, good morning to you. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Friday Eve. It's uh, celebrate your elected official today, Zach. So, uh, you know, there you go. All right. Sounds good. I well, like Devil's uh, Food I- Cake Day better myself. <laughs> Well, I think the uh, the only relevance of that maybe to our show today is that <clears throat> I have Matt Salmon on at 9.30. He's hoping to be an elected official that people will appreciate on Elected Official Appreciation Day. Uh, he's a Republican running in the primary to be governor of this beautiful state. Uh, we've had as many gubernatorial candidates uh, as who want to come on on both sides of the aisle because it's obviously an important position. Matt will be on. We'll talk about uh, his uh, new plan for... The border and border security. We'll talk about how Phoenix and Atlanta uh, are once again top, or once again top inflation ranks of major cities, uh, and a five billion surplus uh, in the state of Arizona. What would a Governor Salmon encourage the state legislature to do with it as governor? So that conversation is coming up. Matt, do you like what I did there? I had no idea. It was uh, appreciate an elected official day to day, but there's there's my there's my segue. Nice, well done. I see what you did there, as they say. I, <laughs> right. Again, I have to assure our listeners: you and I don't talk about the special day that is uh, each day on the show beforehand. We hop on. You tell me what the day is, and I figure out how it all how it all connects in. <laughs> uh, but uh, but here at the top of the hour conversation I've also been very much looking forward to uh, with Dre Thompson, the president and CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority to talk about the Essential Workers Housing Fund uh, that Dre championed here in the Tucson area uh, within the last couple of months. We'll talk about that as well. 520-790-2040 is the number Dre used to call in, uh, and you can use to call in this morning. Dre, happy Friday Eve. Good morning to you. Hello, Zach. Are these allergies season bothering you? Uh, it was last... Antelope-esque here. Oh, well, then you need to listen to the shows from last week. I was... Uh, <laughs> I was the, I was the French version of Barry Manilow. No, I feel great this week. Today is a little oh, off, but last week was awful, that. Dre. What was that? Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. This uh, the allergies have been getting to me too, so I empathize. Well, you sound just fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk to you about this program. Thanks so much for making some space for this. For uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we wanted to get you in this week because next week is the big uh, press conference. And I do want to get into the details, Dre, of what this is. And any of our essential workers listening today who might be eligible, I want to point them in your direction. But uh, give me the why of this first. How did you come up with this idea of the Essential Workers Housing Fund? And what's the data behind the need to, to focus on essential workers right now? Well... Um, Zach, I actually have to tip my hat to you. 
I actually first got the idea for the fund uh, by listening to The Tipping Point with okay. Zach Yenser. Okay. Um, so, you know, you definitely get to have a little credit for this. I was listening to a story that you were talking about coming out of Phoenix, um, where a nurse who was making, you know, uh, a good living was really unable to find a housing in, in the Phoenix proper area, which is, you know, where she was really looking to serve. Um, so thank you so much for highlighting that concern. That definitely spurred that's, this idea. That's super cool. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'd, I would have had you on the show either way. I actually didn't know until you told me that, uh, that it was inspired by Tipping Point. So that's super cool. And yeah, I think the number mm-hmm. was what, Dre? This nurse was, the average was a nurse making eighty five to $90,000 a year. Uh, and they were the only essential worker who could afford to buy a home in Avondale, Glendale, and Phoenix proper. Um, mm-hmm. That's messed up. I mean, that's not the affordable yeah, Sunbelt state. Actually, a number yeah. of reasons. Yeah, a number <laughs> right. of reasons. So, so after I heard that story, um, you know, there's there's part of it that just from a you know a justice level or a fairness level that like wow these people have been putting their life on the line. Um, you know, what can we as a community do to thank them? Uh, for their work and it, it you know obviously there's part of it just feels that it should feel fair that you should be able to live in the community that you serve um but i started to you know your your comment sort of piqued my interest and i looked into it a little bit more and there's a lot more stories coming out about affordability and essential workers um and it actually just goes beyond that as well it's actually a important issue for the entire community to think about um, that if your essential workforce is essentially uh, boxed out of the housing market, that becomes a workforce issue and a safety issue for the entire community. Um, and I feel like we're seeing ripples of this in terms of the vacancy rates in uh, police officer positions and fire, uh, you know, firefighters and teachers and a lot of the roles that are vital for keeping our community safe and keeping our community, um, you know, functioning. Are, are seeing significant issues in challenges with the housing market. So I, I thought, you know, this is this is a we need to do something to to be grateful for the essential workers that have you know really put their life on the line. But we also need to think about it from an economic development and workforce issue um, that we we need to we need to rally around and see if we can come with some with some creative solutions. Yeah, Dre, and I mean, this is why I'm passionate about the topic as well, because when I talk about housing accessibility or housing attainability, I think the first thought that comes to many mind, many's mind is, okay, you're talking about affordable housing, or you're talking about Section 8 housing. Uh, and yeah, that's important as well. But I think most of the time, Dre, I'm actually talking about, you know, housing that our, uh, that our workforce is able to attain, and that is uh, becoming quickly out of reach for many in this mm-hmm. community, when yeah. you say it, when you say essential workers, Dre, uh, who are you talking about? As an example, you hinted at a couple, but who, who's included in this bucket of essential workers? Yeah. So for this program, um, you know, we did really want to be as expansive as possible. So we used the definitions outlined by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention from their website. So we really pulled. 
we really pulled from them. So there is a number of medical field essential workers. So these are going to be, you know, your, your folks that are working in, in hospitals, but it's also, um, you know, dialysis centers, pharmacies, uh, ambulatory, nursing home facilities. There's a large list on our website you can see of all the different medical ones and then also non-medical. And there is uh, a number of professions that are in there. So law enforcement, fire protection, uh, legal professions, manufacturing, food and beverage services. So we're even, you know, retail. There's, there's, it is fairly expansive, the number of people that are included. But we just, to keep it simple, we went with the CDC's definition of essential workers. So, um, you know, you can look on the website to see if you might qualify as that overall definition. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and that's what I was, you know, wanting our listeners to hear is it's actually a very large list um, of, you know, uh, kind of middle class uh, Joe and Jane working in really essential, important positions um, who, you know, are teachers and firefighters, police officers, mm-hmm. veterinarians, postal workers, manufacturing mm-hmm. facilities workers, people who should be able to afford a home uh, and live in a state where that is not, you know, not able to happen. We're with Dre Thompson, the president and CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority. When we come back, Dre, I'd love to talk about um, who are the partners on this and how is it set up? And if someone listening is uh, either an essential healthcare worker or an essential non-healthcare worker, or just wants to support the program, uh, how how mm-hmm. can they access it? That's where I'd like to go after our, our first break of the hour with Dre Thompson. Yep. Cool, Matt. Take us away. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point. Listen to the live stream and find podcasts of your favorite shows at KVOI.com. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. 
Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona, live out of the Common Workspace Studios. Again, you're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. This segment is sponsored by Decibel Coffee Works, the coffee that we drink uh, at the Yenser House while we're out uh, and while we're out and about, run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. Uh, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. Rumor no more, ice cream is on its way in 2022, and I'm looking forward to that. Visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento there on the west side. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Ginzer for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. We are with Dre Thompson for the next few minutes, uh, President and CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority, a champion of a brand new program in Tucson called the Essential Workers Housing Fund. Dre, tell me how this program works and, and how to participate. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I should also say this program would not have at all been possible without the Tucson Realtors Charitable Foundation, the City of Tucson, CIC, Pima IDA, um, FHR Cares, Family Housing Resources. All of these partners have come together to create a, a fund, a grant fund, um, that if you are an essential worker who's qualified for the program and participating in it, which we'll get into, um, you get up to one, you get 1% up to 2,500 off your closing costs. Um, now that might not sound very much, but it's actually paired with additional down payment assistance. So the average participant would actually probably end up having about $16,000 off their 
down payment assistance and closing costs, which if they stay in their home for three years does not need to be repaid. Um, and so the reason we really wanted to target down payment assistance and closing costs is because uh, 40% of non-homeowners say that, that those are the costs that are really preventing them from, um, from having a home. It's that out-of-pocket cash that especially right now with inflation being high, it's hard to to really get that that amount together. Um, so this program is very targeted because it it, it builds on an, an existing program that's been in the community for ten years to get down payment assistance into people's pockets. Um, but then it adds an additional boost for essential workers. So really try to up the amount um, so that folks can get into the homes, especially in this difficult market. Very cool. Do you have an estimate of how many in this first round, how many uh, qualified individuals or families could could receive benefits from this program? Yeah, we are aiming for about between 230 and 250 families. That's um, amazing. So the this the PTHS, which is the the FEMA Two Fund Home Buyers, which this program is kind of layered on top of that. That's indefinite. That is continuing to go on. That will always be available for folks. That won't run out. This is this boost for the essential workers housing fund. That's going to be dependent until the cash runs out. Um, we're going to continue to try to raise funds. We have uh, more sponsors that are that are coming on board, but uh, we are in this initial round really looking to serve about 230, 250 families. That's huge. Essential workers housing fund. Dot com is where people can go to find out more information, either in terms of support uh, and sponsor this program, or <clears throat> if you are in the process of closing on a home and are qualified for the Pima Tucson Home Buyer Solution Program, uh, you are listening right now, eligible for for this program. Uh, Dre, uh, explain to us too why why the Tucson Industrial Development Authority um, is playing in this in this arena. Yeah, one of the one of the goals of the Tucson IDA is to bridge gaps in our existing, uh, you know, financial systems, and so we really see this as a gap that we can step into and participate in. So we know that home ownership is essential for community for the community fabric and economic stability of our region, and uh, also just for creating generational wealth for people that haven't otherwise been boxed out of it. So we see we see home ownership as a very integral part to this. Um, you know, building building our region's economic strength. Uh, so, but we do see that again, the closing costs and down payment costs really do keep people out of achieving home ownership, who would otherwise, you know, like you were saying, have jobs that do enable them to buy homes. But this is that one last remaining barrier. So we want to remove as many barriers as possible for folks. For sure. In terms of the Pima Tucson Home Buyer Solution program that this is layered on top of, it seems pretty straightforward. You have to have a credit score above 640 to qualify, um, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, it's not super high, but it's not low either, but it's I think it's reasonable. Um, you must have an income below $122,000. Um, if your income is below $54,000, there may be actually even uh, other uh, initiatives in the county that can that can help as well. And if you stay in your home for more than three years, the loan converts into a grant that doesn't need to be uh, that doesn't need to be repaid. Dre, I think the reality is that a lot of people who fit into that essential worker bucket make less than fifty four thousand dollars. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, 
again, we want to help as many folks as possible. So we wanted, you know, to go up to 150 AMI just to, to really be as expansive as possible. If you are under the 54,000, you can actually qualify for an MCC, which bundles with it that saves you 50,000 over the life of your loan. So just if you are, if you're being stressed out about the, the home buying process right now, I just really want to let folks know that there are programs and um, folks available to really help them. And, and then there are funds available. So, you know, I, I think that buying a home is not something you do every day. So the whole process feels super confusing. Um, we've just relaunched our whole website, the Pima Tucson Home Buyers, with little quizzes on there and videos and info sheets and check boxes and really tried to break it down so that it doesn't feel overwhelming and so that people know that there is assistance available. Um, and, and like you say, it's, it's not it's not super exclusive it's pretty it's pretty open to our workforce which we see as very essential um and and we've had great success with this program we've done over one billion dollars in reservations over the past 10 years uh our default rate is under one percent so it really is serving the need of folks who can't afford a home but are are experiencing that last barrier of cash in hand um, and need that extra little boost to to make sure that they can walk in the home. And and we really want to prevent folks from just buying houses and flipping them, which is why there's that Mm -hmm. three-year piece. You know, we Mm -hmm. really want this to be your home that you're planning on living in, your primary residence. Um, and, and so that's really kind of where that three year, but again, a hundred percent forgivable if you do stay in your home, which is usually three to five years is, you know, at mm-hmm. least the minimum that most folks do stay in their home if they are, if they're buying a house. Right. Right. Makes sense. Uh, Dre wanted to have you on the show today because, uh, you have a, a press conference coming up. Uh, it's, uh, yes. it's during the, uh, the one hour a day where I'm locked in a room and, and have no choice, have no choice in the matter. So. This uh, was a little self-serving to be able to enjoy the moment uh, now with you, even though I can't um, next yeah. week. But besides the press conference, where we obviously hope uh, our media partners and the community will be able to get to hear uh, directly, how can we help you spread the word on this program? What do you need from our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, more of this is going to be rolling out. We're, we're hoping to start getting dollars flowing in June into into home buying. So if you know somebody that is an essential worker, if you are an essential worker, essentialworkershousingfund.com, you can learn all about it there. Um, you know, follow us on social media. And we're, we're putting out just lots of information that will be helpful for folks who are kind of thinking about home ownership and, and worried about, you know, what is really out there. So, so those would be really helpful. We have also been seeing that organizations, um, who are having trouble retaining their workforce, they can use this as a great program to say, hey, we're going to help you get into a home. Um, you know, Tucson is supportive of our essential workers and, and finding home ownership. So if that is a helpful thing for your HR department and recruitment, I would be happy to present to any of them. Um, so I am working with various different hospitals and school districts to make sure that we are getting the word out to folks who, um, you know, really could benefit from the program. I love it. Dre Thompson, CEO and president of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority, the first ever CEO, by the way, of that organization that's been around since the 1960s. Uh, uh, thanks for your leadership on this, Dre. And, you know, again, I have a gubernatorial candidate on in the next segment. The annual rate of inflation in Phoenix at 11% in April. That is uh, the highest in the nation. Housing accounts for almost a third 
uh, of the consumer price index and soaring rents and home prices are a huge part of this picture. So thank you for your leadership on this right now and here in Tucson, and uh, good luck next week. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it for having me on. Thanks, Dre. Yes. When we come back after bottom of the hour news, Matt Salmon is on the other side. He's a Republican running in the primary to be governor of the beautiful state of Arizona. We'll chat with him about this and more on the other side and his border strategy as well. Don't go anywhere. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, on this beautiful Thursday around here. We call it Friday Eve. Happy Friday Eve to all of our listeners listening. We uh, just said goodbye to Dre Thompson, the president and CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority, talking about their new uh, Central Workers Housing Fund uh, to help both uh, healthcare and non-healthcare essential workers uh, be able to afford uh, buying a home uh, in a part of the Sunbelt State, that is Arizona, that used to be uh, affordable. And I think we'll continue some of this conversation in brief with our next guest. Matt Salmon is a former congressman, Republican, running for governor in the Republican primary of this beautiful state. We have lots to talk about, lots to cover. Matt, thanks for carving out some time uh, in your busy schedule today to be with us here in southern Arizona. How are you? Thank you, Zach. It's great to be with you. I appreciate it. And it is a beautiful state. I've been uh, w- looking at every square inch of it over the last year, and I it is a beautiful, diverse state. We are lucky yeah. to live here. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Matt Salmon uh, released uh, Operation Copper Shield uh, within the last uh, few days, um, uh, a centerpiece of his Arizona border security plan. And Matt, I do want to get there. But since we've been on the housing topic, I wanted to talk with you about inflation. Uh, the annual rate of inflation in Phoenix hit 11% in April. That's ahead of the uh, U.S. rate of 8.3%. Uh, and uh, Phoenix and Atlanta top the ranks, the inflation ranks of major cities. Within that, Matt, and here's how it connects to the, to the last part of our show, housing accounts for almost a third of the consumer price index and soaring rents and home prices, as Bloomberg put it, uh, are behind much of the inflation across the South and the Southwest. Uh, what do we do about inflation in this state, uh, Matt, where we are, we're, we're, we're atop of, uh, of an already uh, uh, national issue that is continuing to kind of spin out of control? This is one of the issues that affects everybody. Um, from the young people that just got married, trying to, you know, make a make their way in the world, uh, to the seniors that are on fixed incomes, and you you, you jack up the rental prices. They, they can't cover that. We we've got to get creative, and the the a lot of the uh, inflation woes that are hitting us uh, were foreseeable, because it really is a, a product of uh, the spending that's going on in Washington, D.C. Anybody who's taken an Economics 101 class uh, knows that when you spend more money than you have and then you print money uh, to uh, make up the difference, you're going to deal with inflation, and, and that's a horrible situation. And with all the money, the trillions that have been spent the last few years, it's been devastating. So what can we do at the state level? Uh, as you mentioned, Zach, and I, I believe your last uh, caller uh, talked about as well, housing prices are really formidable, and rent prices are just out of control here in Arizona. And there's some really great ideas coming forward. Uh, you know, I was in Yuma uh, just last week, and, and for the school teachers in the Yuma High School District, they're actually partnering uh, with a developer to build affordable housing for uh, teachers, especially new teachers are on lower incomes, and subsidize that uh, from the school district. So there's innovative ideas all over the place, and I think that we should do everything that we can to try to make, you know, to bring down uh, the affordability of, of houses and rent. Part of the problem, too, Zach, is that we, we have a real housing shortage in Arizona. We don't have enough uh, homes for people to buy, and when you have that scarcity, uh, the cost goes way through the roof. Again, that's an economics, uh, you know, 101 issue where su supply and demand meet. That's where price is supposed to be set, but we have a big scarcity. And yet we're sitting on 9.2 million acres of state trust land. And so we need to be more aggressive in getting some of that land out, uh, you know, for housing so that uh, the price of housing, houses can go down. I'm also proposing getting rid of our income tax in this state. And that would be substantial to a lot of these families that wouldn't have the burden of an income tax anymore. So all of these things, I think, will be helpful. But uh, more than anything, we've got to do a better job bringing high-paying jobs to the state of Arizona so that people don't have to settle for minimum wage. And in our schools, we have to do a lot better job making sure that people are ready uh, for the workforce when they get out of out of school. And not, yeah, I'm a big uh, big proponent of vocational education because not every child will go uh, to uh, on to college. 
And my wife works for EVIT, which is the uh, JTED or CTED uh, for East, Eastern Maricopa County. You have a good one in Tucson as well. But those kids are graduating from high school with welding certificates and uh, machinist certificates and mechanic certificates. And they're going into $60,000, $70,000 year jobs right out of high school. So I think that's important, too. We've got to, it's got to be all hands on deck. And I, I will work with anybody and everybody to try to figure out how we can do a better job in this state of making our housing affordable and bringing the cost of living into a, 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 a reasonable rate so that, that everybody uh, can take care of their, their needs and, uh, and not have to suffer. Uh, you know, do I pay the, the electric bill or do I pay or, or do I buy, buy groceries? We've got to do a better job making sure that families can succeed. Agreed, Matt Salmon, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, uh, broad housing category surged by 14% in Phoenix. That's more than double uh, the 6.5% oh, national average. And, and it's just crazy to me, Matt. And you answered the question I was going to ask. I'm not going to ask the question, but what are strategies to try and get ahead of this? Because this is something that our Sunbelt State you know, it grew by being low, low tax, low wage, low service. To be quite honest, and, and the whole dynamic, um, the whole dynamic is shifting. Matt, before we go to break, I wanna, um, I wanna talk about something that we've kind of been nibbling around the edges of, uh, and that is, you know, the state of Arizona has a, some say, a five billion dollar surplus. Uh, and that makes it hard on state legislatures. It's easier for state legislatures to manage budgets with no money than to manage budgets with a lot of money. What does a governor, Matt Salmon, encourage the state legislature to do today uh, with those dollars if you were in the seat? What is, what, where does, what is it, what does the state of Arizona need uh, the legislature to do with that money? First and foremost, I think we need to secure our border. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, my, I, my Copper Shield plan calls for $200 million uh, funding for putting 1,200 armed National Guard uh, people on the border. And then another, that, that's $140 million, then $50 million uh, for our local sheriffs and local uh, county attorneys so that we can prosecute. Uh, the, the number one cause of death among people aged 19 to 35 in this country and in our state is fentanyl overdose. And 92% of the illegal fentanyl coming into this country is coming across the Mexican border. It's a killer. And that alone, I think, is an, enough reason for us to uh, sharpen you know, our skills and everything that we're doing at the border to make sure that this, uh, this craziness stops. It's killing people. We've got to stop it. Uh, then when you amplify that by the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, the fact that the cartels are managing all of those activities at the border, We've got to do everything within our power to stop that. And since the federal government isn't doing it, the state has to step up and protect its citizens uh, to do it ourselves. And so that's, that's one of the things that I would do with that money. But, uh, Zach, know full well that uh, that $5 billion surplus, uh, much of that is money that uh, the state received in COVID relief dollars that still haven't been spent yet. And so we can get creative. I, I, again, I've called for getting rid of the income tax. If we have that much of a surplus, we obviously can uh, get by without. We have a 2.5% flat tax right now for income tax. And I'm tired of being a flyover state for the great, uh, you know, high-paying jobs that are leaving uh, California and going to Texas and Florida because they don't have an income tax. And I think that we can and should be able to compete for those jobs. Uh, but also, I, I, 
you know, you talked about the housing thing and homelessness. These are all things that are important issues for us to address as a state. And, and our, our, our people in our state are crying for help, uh, you know, to, to um, address these issues. And a lot of those money are one time, I believe, out of the $5 billion, uh, about $1.4, $1.5 billion of that is ongoing money. Most of it's one time. And so we've got to get really, really creative to both, uh, I think, put more money back in the taxpayers' pockets, uh, jumpstart business in this state, address, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our uh, lack of affordable housing and, uh, and the homelessness issue, and to deal with our border. Those are the things that I, I would be focusing on. Matt Simon, last question before we go to break, and then uh, I wanted to leave the second segment to dig in a little bit more uh, to what you're calling Operation Copper Shield. But there are many in this state, Matt, uh, that are that are saying, "Hey, some of that five billion, if not the majority of it, uh, should go to our education system, both K-12 and post-secondary." We know uh, from some national numbers that Arizona is just not uh, producing the skilled workforce needed. And uh, I fear, Matt, and I know it gets into the policy weeds, but I fear um, that, uh, that if we're not developing the talent and the workforce, uh, we're going to continue being that flyover state because talent and workforce drives all market decisions. So does a Governor Matt Salmon invest uh, some of those dollars into our public K-12? And does the state fund our state universities uh, at pre-2008 levels again? Zach, I'm a very, very pro-education uh, uh, candidate and person. I served on the Education Committee as a state senator as a congressman. My uh, oldest daughter is on the school board uh, here in Mesa. And we need to make sure that our educational system is performing at top levels. And, yeah, part of that is making sure that the teachers get better pay. But as the legislature and the governor have approved more money, I think Ducey uh, uh, I- increased the funding for teachers' uh, salaries by 20% over the last couple of years. And we found through reports that many of the school districts didn't get that money down to the teachers. The administrations ate it up. We've got to stop that, Zach. And every time that we appropriate money for teacher raises and uh, efficiencies in the classroom, it gets eaten up in bureaucratic costs. And we've got to stop that from happening. We've got to demand more accountability. Also, some of the best-performing districts in the state are actually some of the poorest-funded districts. I, I say this all the time. One of the best-performing uh, best districts in the whole state is actually in Nogales, where they're one of the poorest districts in the state. So money and results don't always go hand-in-hand. Hand. Of course we need to t- pay really good teachers better. But I want to get rid of this idea that every teacher gets the same pay increase every year regardless of whether they're really a great teacher or a poor teacher. I want to really institute merit pay in the school so that really great teachers can be making over $100,000 a year. That, to me, is smart business, and that's the way we do it in our jobs, in our empl- with our employees. If you're a great employee, you get paid better. If you're not a great employee, you don't get paid better. And that's the way it should be in the schools, too. This nonsense that everybody gets the same thing, regardless of what kind of job they do, that's got to go. We're with Matt Salmon this morning. If you just joined us, he's a Republican running for governor uh, in the primary. That wraps up the first week of August. We're going to go to our final break here on this Thursday, Friday Eve edition of Tipping Point. When we come back, uh, uh, I have a couple of questions to ask uh, Matt Salmon about Operation Copper Shield, 
the centerpiece of his Arizona border security plan just recently announced. We're going to talk about it here on the program. Don't go anywhere. We'll return in just a minute after visiting some of our great sponsors who uh, make the dream happen here on the show. We'll be right back. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Ganser. 1030 The Voice. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. This is Bill Buckmaster. Join us for the Buckmaster Show at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona for part two of our conversation this morning with Matt Salmon. He's a Republican running in the primary for governor of the state of Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey, also a Republican, has termed out, serving uh, eight years 
as governor, I think for the first time since the 80s. An interesting statistic that always uh, always amazes me. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, and they're doing quite well, serving up the juiciest burgers, all the hot dogs, have ice cream, milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger. And mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point uh, with Zach Yenser for a 1515 percent discount off your next order. Mr. Salmon, you unveiled Operation Copper Shield in recent days uh, as a centerpiece of your specific Arizona border security plan. $140 million, as you mentioned in the last segment, to mobilize Arizona's National Guard along the border. Uh, Governor Ducey in uh, uh, April of 2021 uh, seemed to do something similar, provide uh, up to $25 million to move up to 250 guardsmen to border communities to support other law enforcement agencies. Uh, would a Governor Salmon's uh, 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 plan be kind of a scale-up of what Governor Ducey began doing last year, or is it different? No, I think it's, I think it's different. I, I, I intend to uh, have the National Guard uh, scaled up significantly, yes. Uh, we're talking about 1,200 uh, people along the border based at a very, very uh, key location uh, to make sure that we're actually interdicting. I'm also uh, going to be uh, giving more and more resources from the state uh, to the border sheriffs as well as the border county attorneys, uh, and then uh, getting the legislature to pass new legislation, uh, creating no trespassing zones, so that when people uh, break our laws, we're able to actually arrest them, incarcerate them, and then uh, part of my plan also is to enhance our jail space uh, by building tent-like facilities as well uh, from the state uh, so that we can send the message. Uh, first and foremost, the, when we interdict you, we're going to point you back to, uh, across the border because I believe we do have that authority. We cannot deport. That's solely a responsibility of uh, you know, the federal government. But we can escort them back across the border, and, and I believe uh, we should do so. If they come back, we'll let them know you're going to be you're going to be arrested and incarcerated. And when you get out, you're going to be escorted back across the border anyway. Now the cartels, they're they're basically doing all of this activity. They're charging between five and ten thousand dollars a person to smuggle them across the border, and they're a money making entity. They'll realize that this is not a profitable place for them to do this kind of business, and they'll go elsewhere, uh, maybe California, maybe New Mexico. But that's not our problem. I can't secure the borders from those states, but I, I can do it for Arizona. The, the, the Republican primary for governor, I think, is effectively th- a three-candidate race at this point. Mr. Gaynor dropped out uh, a few weeks ago. I think it's Carrie Lake, Karen Taylor Robeson, and, and you, uh, Matt Salmon. Uh, you and uh, Carrie Lake have both advocated for declaring an invasion under Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution. Karen Taylor Robeson has used the word invasion but not advocated for that. Uh, some legal experts say um, that that violates U.S. Supreme Court precedent and that only the U.S. Attorney General can deputize states to take on duties, uh, meaning um, that that this would probably cost time and money and legal challenges that w- wouldn't allow for delivery of that campaign pledge. I know this is a little bit different. I don't think you're speaking to things that are outside today of what the state can do. Uh, but would, would it be your intent still to pursue uh, declaring an invasion along the border? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I, I believe, in fact, uh, that question was asked of our current attorney general, uh, whether his opinion was that we were under invasion by the cartels, and he said absolutely. Um, what's going on is, is tantamount to invasion. And a really dear friend of mine, uh, Ken Cuccinelli, who was uh, the attorney general for Virginia, uh, has been advocating this idea uh, for quite some time, and I think it's a valid idea. And, and for these legal authorities, I, I see this all the time. As a congressman, somebody comes out and says, well, the constitutional authority is X, Y, and Z. And, and, and then the Supreme Court ends up ruling, and they are flabbergasted. The fact is, this is uncharted territory right now. Uh, it's never been really tried by a state, and I think it's high time we do. I mean, it's cataclysmic. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And our voters expect us to do everything within our power to keep the people in our state secure. So I intend to do that. And right now, I think we have a Supreme Court that finally understands states' rights. And, and they've exhibited that through many, many, many of their decisions. And I believe that it's high time that a governor of Arizona stand up for the people of Arizona, and I intend to do so. Matt Salmon is with us, a Republican running for uh, governor of the state of Arizona and the Republican in the Republican primary. Matt, before we let you go, some major uh, gubernatorial primaries across the country uh, or earlier earlier this week. Um, and we're certainly seeing uh, uh, former President Trump kind of play his influence and see how far it goes. Uh, any lessons from Republican successes or not? in the primaries earlier this week that you think uh, impacts this race, Matt Salmon? Look, the Republican Party is the grand old party has always been known for its ideas. And that's what I'm focused on. I'm, I'm not focused on any personalities or endorsements. Yeah, I've been endorsed by lots of different people, too. But the most important endorsement is the people that vote for me on Election Day. And I trust them. We, they know what's going on in Arizona. They know what the problems are. And honestly, we don't live in an aristocracy where uh, we have uh, leaders of, of our country picking, uh, you know, picking and choosing who's going to be in leadership positions in our country. That's left up to the voters. And I trust them. And I believe that when they, when they look at this election, they're going to look at how many times they've been lied to before by politicians that promise one thing and then do another. And the best predictor of what somebody's actually going to do is what they've done. And I'm the only candidate running for governor that actually has a record of doing exactly what I say I'm going to do. I'm one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus. When I made my term limit pledge, I actually kept my pledge and came home. And so they know that I'm not just all talk. These other candidates, they're rolling the dice and hoping that they're going to be what they say. Of course, they're saying the right thing. That, everybody's going to try to say the right thing. But people, voters should be saying, don't tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what you've done, because that's going to tell me what you're going to do. Matt Salmon, the word four, not the number, 4AZ.com. Again, Matt, you are crossing the state on a daily basis. Thanks for carving out some time to be with us and talking about a wide variety of issues. Uh, stay safe out there, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you at least once more before the primary. Zach, I really appreciate it. And there was a commercial on during our break of a program I really love, and it's called Earn to Learn. Yes. And I, as, a, as a congressman, I was a strong backer of that. We need more and more kids to be able to get into higher education, and the cost has gotten so out of reach for some. This program is wonderful, and I hope everybody out there is going to participate with it. 
I ditto that. Matt, thank you for mentioning it, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Matt, thank you so much. We'll see you around soon, and take care out there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tucson, that does it for us today. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, to spotlight a couple of great organizations doing some cool things in Tucson. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.